We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, coming at you on a Wednesday at the end of July, the dog days of NBA summer, but uh, no, no rest for the weary. We got another banger coming at you for this episode. Um, one of my good friends, I, I consider him a friend, uh, in addition to what was a time for a time, a colleague, although he has since moved on from covering the Knicks to uh, cover other matters, NBA related. Uh, that, of course, is Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. Uh, he, we just finished the conversation. He, as always, brings a lot of thoughtful analysis to everything that he covers. We got into a whole bunch of stuff. We got into the Donovan Mitchell trade stuff. We got into general NBA things on these giant pick packages going out in trades. We talked about uh, max contracts. We hit on what's going on in Brooklyn. It was a wide ranging conversation. You're going to enjoy it because, again, Mike is really smart. And it's uh, my fault for not having him on for a year, um, but we definitely made up for lost time here. So I think that's it. Uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with the athletics, Mike Vorkanoff. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, a returning guest, you might might say a jilted lover. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll give him the opportunity to crack some jokes once I bring him in. Um, Longtime writer for The Athletic. He left the Knicks beat, not in disgrace, but victoriously off of a off of a playoff run. And look at the shambles he has left behind. I blame Fred Katz completely. Uh, Mike Vorkanoff, how are you? You wanted Fred, you got Fred, and then you got a number 11 pick in the draft. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> wow. Wow. Shots fired early. <laughs> Um, look, Fred, Fred has done an admirable job. Obviously he, he is no Mike working off. Let's just, let's just get it out there in the open. I, I think Fred has done an amazing job, especially during the Donovan Mitchell stuff of the last, uh, two oh. weeks, month, however long it's been. Well, it was, it was, uh, a, a delightful surprise to see 
you guys crossing the streams uh, a few days ago with the article. <laughs> That's a Ghostbusters reference, Andrew. Why are you putting your head in your hands? Because of what crossing the streams means. John. I know it's a Ghostbusters reference. I just even Bill let's Murray we, made the joke in the movie. Yeah, let's say we tag teamed up. There you that. go. We tag teamed the wrestling reference. There you go. <laughs> I all I did was make a face of like, oh, they're they're crossing the streams. Yeah, okay. but I know your face when it's like uh, John said something you shouldn't have. It's a ghost. Not a reference. shouldn't have. It was just he said you, a thing. That's all. You know he why he, he saw he saw Seth got the Lisa Ann tweet for the book, so now he wants the podcast tweet from her. That's what it is. He wants a Lisa Ann oh. listening to our pod. Got it. Tweet. That's what he wants. Um, no, Fred. Fred has been. Fred is awesome. Obviously, we it's recent. We keep asking him to keep begging him to come back on and talk about this team. Um, but no, man, it, uh, we've missed you. Uh, it seems like yesterday that we had a conversation. I think you were at a hotel room in Vegas, where you revealed. I mean, you had told me previously, but you revealed for our listening audience that you were leaving the beat and um, going to do some other sorts of reporting. For the in you know as pertains to the NBA, but from a different angle. So I guess I'll I'll start here. How has how has the last year been for you? <laughs> uh, it's been different. Let's say that much. Uh, I've I've missed the Knicks beat at times. It's always cool to like really? write about. Yeah, it's it's cool to write about a team that so many people care about. Uh, the Knicks fan base is so large and so vibrant and so uh, mostly. Uh, emotionally intense in a positive way. Mostly. Um, Mostly. uh, It's cool. It's cool to have written, you know, just cover the Knicks and just like, just mostly for the fan base, honestly, Um, more so than covering it, uh, covering the Knicks themselves, which has its own trepidations that are just now further and further leaking out into the open. Um, But, you know, it's been fun to like, just cover the league as a whole, um, write about the business of basketball. I'm still not quite sure what the hell that means, but it's been fun to like, just kind of uh, create this beat whole cloth. So that actually was, you stole my next question. Cause I remember a year ago, you said something to the effect of like, I really don't know what this is going to be. I'll figure it out as I go along. And you just basically, you know, said a year later, you still quite don't know. So like what, is it is it clearer to you what you are doing or you're still just kind of feeling your way as you as you move along? No, I'm still figuring it out. I mean, like I'm writing a bunch of different stuff all at once. Like I wrote about like, you know, the amount of earning power that players will have. And I've written about NIL stuff and I've written about uh, team ownership. And I, I've written about like, I think uh, high school stuff at some point, like it's all just kind of jumbled together. And it's nice to also just still write about basketball from time to time. Um, you know, they've luckily given me a lot of flexibility and leeway just to write about many different things at once. I was about to say, is it, is it liberating writing about the sport from the perspective of like, there is no business of basketball fan base as opposed to the Knicks, which as you just said, is like a massive fan base. Is that, is that like give you more, more leeway? It does. It also makes it harder because it's like, how do you get people to care about something like that? Right. Like I wrote about private equity ownership of NBA teams. Like, how do you get people to care about that um, when there is no private equity fan base out there? Uh, well, <laughs> other than those who are in private equity. <laughs> right. So aside from those guys um, and, you know, and there's no like, you know, so it's just like trying to figure out how to make people care about. It. But it's fun. Like, you know, I'm writing. I wrote something about. um 
the Nuggets and I talked to Calvin Booth, yeah. their GM, and I'll, like, I'll have some stuff about some other teams later on this summer. And it's just fun to kind of delve into that and try to write about basketball from time to time because numbers get boring too. I think uh, I understand people think that numbers get boring too. Well, uh, one more and then we'll, we'll move on to maybe some more Knicks themed stuff. But like, because you, we've talked obviously offline a lot. We've talked on here a lot. I respect immensely the way you think about the game, think about the sport, think about the league, think about how it operates, think about how teams operate. And I know you, you like to deepen your knowledge of, of all of that stuff. Do you feel like your, I don't want to say understanding of the sport is different now that you've done this for a year, but like you, you're, you are able to come at it from like a different angle or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so for sure. I think I'd be bad at my job if I didn't, um, you know, like the whole point is just, you know, the nice thing is everything kind of overlaps now, you know, the, yeah. the business is so closely tied into the basketball in so many different ways, whether it's a cap, um, whether it's about who owns and runs the teams, like it's just important to know all of these things. And, uh, you know, it's you know, the Knicks are an interesting team to cover as your first NBA beat because they're such a closed wall organization. Um, no. And uh, it's nice to kind of like go to different places, talk to people from other teams. And I was doing that before too, but like just do it from a different approach and, and just kind of broaden horizons a little bit. Um, Fred, Fred went the other way, which is I think benefited him really well. And I think Nick's, you know, the readers too, it was like, he covered the thunder. He covered uh, the wizards for a long time. And like bringing that and bringing your sources into that is I think very, very useful and helpful. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I I love Fred's analysis. Um, and I actually, you know what? I haven't asked him about this explicitly, but I will now do so now that you brought it up the next time he's on the show is like uh, how his co- how much his coverage has changed going from uh, covering a team that, you know, has a GM who literally sits up there and says, I will sit here until you run out of questions to ask me. And then two and a half hours later, he's like, okay, I'll see you guys later. Um, to one. By the way, that, highly, you know. highly recommend listening to Sam Preston's press conference from uh, whatever it was, May, April. I don't know when that was. That's, like, what I, I that's the one to... I'm referencing, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it was, it was a trip. Like he does not just like give you the boring yeah. basketball answers. He got into some weird stuff there. Let me, okay. I'm going to go off the rails for a second, but I, I'll bring it back. I ostensibly the Knicks, do what they do because they think it benefits them because why does any person do what they do? Cause they think it benefits them in some way. Do you do, well, do you disagree with that? Um, you know, I think they do what they do out of one. It's because it comes from ownership. You know, James Dolan is notoriously uh, not a fan of media despite his first amendment proclamations. And, um, you know, I think the ability to close out the media as much as you can has been a feature, not a bug for them. I mean, does, I, I think basically my my thinking on this and my interpretation is that they think that they can reach a wide enough audience themselves, whether it be through the in-house network or through their social media streams, um, that they don't need the traditional media anymore, whatever that means, right? And so I think now it's just gotten to the point where it's punitive. Um, well, I, and that's always historically been my criticism is like my, my biggest issue with it is that it, it is, it be, has become an issue and a distraction. Do you, but covering other teams around the league as you have over the last year, do you feel like other teams get an ancillary benefit from being more of an open book? 
Yeah. I mean, look at the Warriors alone, right? Like the Warriors have been super successful. They're now at what valued at the second most uh, valuable NBA team. Oh, they print um, money. Yeah. Yeah. Behind the Knicks. Like they are one of the most media friendly, maybe the most media friendly NBA team there is. Um, and it helps because it builds, you know, like when you have a, like a super interested frothy fan base, the more stories, the more content they can have, they eat it up. Right. Yeah. And the, and the fun thing that about Knicks fans, just like it is about Warriors fans is they know what the good stuff is and they know what the bad stuff is. And so they can tell it apart. And so like they read the good stories, they listen to the good podcasts and, uh, you know, by having close off operation, you're limiting the amount of content that goes out there to the fans of your team too. It's funny. I want, God, I can't, I, Andrew, correct me for a moment. I don't think this has ever come up or at least it does, I don't remember if it has come up. Maybe I should be thanking my lucky stars that the Knicks are the way they are because we wouldn't have be as successful as, as we are because there's not more you of know, these. I don't know. I'm mean, just, I, I don't think that's true be, because <laughs> I know, be, no, because I, I've thought about this too. I don't think that like uh, them being completely closed off, like, open an avenue for you. I think you'd still be able to do what you're doing because people like it and they're responsible. People care as much though. If like, you know, Fred had Fred, just for example, Fred had like all kinds of in-depth, you know, like, Hey, I sat down with uh, Leon Rose for a half an hour today. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Like uh, there's so many different lanes and so many different ways of like writing and covering a team. I guess even as we see on the beat, but to, to your point, Mike, fans are able to identify the good stuff from the bad stuff. And yeah. just to toot our own horn, we're the good stuff. That's not saying the Knicks beat is the bad stuff. I wouldn't say that whatsoever, <laughs> but Fred is part of the good stuff because he's here once a month. And to your Warriors points, like there is also one of their starters doing his own podcast and willingly giving the right. good stuff out. So that's adds to why but the Warriors are able to do what they do, you know? But yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's not as it's not as if people wouldn't listen to you anyway. Right. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, if the Knicks were like a super open organization, there are lots of different, you know, content vehicles around the Warriors, too. Right. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, I mean, light your spot. Light your spot is like that's what I'm saying. Literally one of the uh, Blue Wire Wire pods. I just there's no Knicks player doing a show is my point like they, yeah, but that's that's different openness. though because different. Stream, yeah like i for my personal opinion if uh, <laughs> i'm trying to think of a, a, a player who people would actually want to listen to who would have the here, Vork, who would have the most popular <laughs> knicks podcast of anyone on the knicks I on think this it's, team it's a yeah, runaway this team, this i, I wonder team. if Vork's gonna say the same name i'm thinking of uh on this team i mean there's a runaway number one there's an obvious answer but i don't know if that's the right answer Okay. I mean, Mitchell Robinson had his own show. That's, that's the one. <laughs> that's the, but, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. If, boring? I don't know if Mitchell Robinson can do 30 minutes. Uh, I don't open either. Mic. Yeah. Uh, I, hmm. I don't know if I'm, he can. I'm thinking now. Do a, I don't I know. know. He can do what Draymond does, but. but, listen, are, but, but go ahead. Sorry. I, I think this is all kind of like builds onto each other. Like the reason Draymond has his podcast now is because he's extremely smart. Yeah. He's extremely media savvy. And he's gotten a lot of reps talking to the media over the years, right? Because the Warriors are like basically have a like, hey man, if someone wants to do a story on you, go for it policy. The Knicks don't have that. You know, there's very few Knicks feature stories out there. There's few opportunities for Knicks players to go out and talk to the media, even if you want to talk to like, you know, the Daily News or the New York Post or Newsday or The Athletic. Like, how much other stuff do you see out there, right? 
it's all part of kind of the closed garden approach. Whereas Draymond's gotten his reps. He's become amazing at this. Or would you know if that has changed since KD left? Because I know he was combative with a lot of local media and it's kind of shown a bit in parts of how Brooklyn handles the media too. Yeah. I mean, I think they, I think when you go to golden state, when you go to the Warriors organization, mm-hmm. you fit into what they're doing. Like people talk about culture or whatnot. Like they have an open media culture. Like okay. and I think KD, I, I remember him doing a lot of media stuff, but hell, I got KD on the phone for like 15 minutes to talk about Michael Beasley for mm. a story. No. Um, like, I don't think I would have gotten that with the, if he was with the Nets necessarily. And organizations do kind of, you know, shape shift a little bit about, you know, around their stars if they go there. So that's probably why Brooklyn's become maybe a little bit more closed off. And so, you know, there's more media attention. There's a lot of people who want to talk to Katie as opposed to like Jared Allen before the big two got there. So this is a good transition because this is, I, I wanted to ask you an inside baseball question. I think it's a good avenue to go into it. Um, with the Donovan Mitchell, we're now on week two and a half, I guess, uh, of the, I don't know what you want to call this, the st- standoff, I, something, uh, between Danny Ainge and Leon Rose and something that has become um, a talking point for a lot of Knicks fans. And I think fairly so is that there are media members out there who have developed relationships over the years with um, Danny Ainge and some of the stuff that is being put out is perhaps favorable to Utah's negotiating position. So one, I'll ask you, do you think that is the case? And uh, like two, do you, if there are, if that is the case, do do you think it is actually helping them in any material way? I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, how do I say it? And if it's I an unfair a, question, tell me, because I, no, I, no, 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 it's not, it's not. Um, I think there's a lot of ways in which people get news, right? I think the presumption yeah. that news is like received, right? Like I'm covering, I never, when, like anyone who covers any team, usually it's very infrequently where like the person you're covering, the GM of the team says, Hey, what's up? Uh, we're trading, you know, for <laughs> whoever tomorrow, you know, just attribute it to sources. Yeah. Uh, maybe that works that way, that way somewhere, or maybe if you, once you get to the very, very top, but usually it's like, you are piecing things together. You hear from one person, you verify with another, you build on it with a third, et cetera, et cetera. Um, maybe that's, you know, if it's coming from Utah where maybe you're thinking Danny Ainge has built relationship with some people, but he's only been there for a very short amount of time. Other people in the jazz organization have been there longer, obviously. And maybe they're trying to kind of like help their negotiating stance by leaking something, but like, do you really think that the Knicks are going to suddenly wither under the pressure of uh, a weak media report? Like, I, I don't think that I hope happens. not. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think that's more so, I think that's more so for the fans than it is to try to gain like ground in negotiations most of the time. So <laughs> my, my maybe, maybe the fans and ownership, depending on which, so which that's- person owns a team. Because then, like, who cares what the, I, I shouldn't say who cares what the fans think, but like, if it's all for the fans, then it, and it, it doesn't really benefit the, the negotiations one way or the other. Then, like, I guess really what I'm asking is, like, what is the point of leaks? You know, and I, I maybe that's a ridiculous question, but it's but not, I, it's not, it's not leaks all the time. It's like, you don't know who, like, 
someone is talking to who hears about the trade conversations and what has been put into, you know, in or out of like negotiations that then tell someone else and then a reporter hears it and they verify through other means, right? Like it's not always just like that's a Danny great point. calling someone up and be like, yeah. hey, we asked for all eight firsts and the right to, you know, Patrick Ewing's, you know, I was going to say firstborn child, but he's already had children. I don't know. His, uh, his jersey that's hanging in the rafters. Like, yeah, the right to the rights to his jerseys. You know, like it doesn't it, it's not usually as clean as that. Yeah. And if and it I, is as clean as that, it becomes very transparent. And no, then and that I, just fails. I think actually Fred has probably said on this pod that like, you know, you get stuff. You talk to other teams mm-hmm. who have talked to the team that you are trying to gather information on. And then that's, you know, how you start to piece things together. So that yeah. that makes that makes a lot more. So is it, would you say that there is much less, uh, what's the, what's the term water carrying that goes on that maybe is, is perceived by some people? I think so. I think also, um, what's the term I'm trying to think of it. Uh, yeah, I think there's something called regulatory capture in the financial. And I'm not going to pretend to know right? what that someone's going to call me an idiot for probably using this improperly, but it's like, basically regulators get so close to the people that they're supposed to look over make sure are following uh, the rules. They become biased towards them. I, I think that happens with the media too, right? You know, you, you subconsciously, maybe consciously have a bent towards the team that you're covering from time to time. And so like, you just frame things favorably. That happens. Like, you know, no one's saying that media members are perfect all the time. So I could see that being a reason for the way that talks are, you know, portrayed or the way analysis of a team is written about, right. That happens too. Like, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why something may happen. I think most of the time it's a lot less malicious and a lot less uh, overtly conscious uh, than the than way it seems. That makes, that makes a lot more sense. The, the, the most reasonable answer is, is often the correct one. Um, all right. So that we've danced around it enough. So there, you just, again, uh, co-wrote a piece with, with Fred in which you ranked the 17 draft or uh, not draft assets, but some money draft assets, but 17 assets between draft picks and young players and swaps and other things that the Knicks have to go out in this deal. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions about that piece. Cause I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun and, uh, I, I thought very accurate. Um, put on your put on your Knicks beat cap for a second. Where where do you think things stand if you had to guess between these two teams? I think they're probably just like at a stalemate. I mean, you know, like Danny Ainge and the Jazz probably have one package that they want. The Knicks are, you know, very unwilling probably to go there. And if they do want it, it's you know, it's I think the big question is like do the jazz want to trade Donovan Mitchell? Do they feel like they need to trade him because now it's become so public or are they comfortable with it? You know, not reaching whatever their, uh, whatever their own limits are, like whatever they need at a base minimum to make a deal and saying like, I guess screw it. We'll bring it back. We might be a playoff team next year with Donovan and the other people we have. Yeah. I, I, I wonder that's my, I, Again, obviously, this is not an informed opinion, but like, I would think that they would like to get this thing done before the season starts. But I wonder if, if, well, what's so the in a, what's a be well, I, my theory is, and uh, other people have said the same thing is like the new coach, you know, start off on a clean slate, you know, you're not dealing with this thing hanging over your head, and then like the tanking implications. Although, to be honest with you, the, I mean, like, it's 14%. But and even at that, if Donovan Mitchell is on the team for 20 games and it's this current jazz roster, is that really going to make the difference between and like you said, with the flattened lottery odds, like 
it's more, I think the, the culture let have like a clean culture reset. Is that, is that important? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, but no one says that like Donovan Mitchell is some kind of bad guy. No one's portrayed. Uh, yeah, no, no. And yeah. so like, you know, they probably have their own evaluations and have their own projections about what it would be like if you were to come back. And I don't think that like, he would be the kind of guy who blows up. I don't think this would be Jimmy Butler 2.0, right? When he didn't get what he wanted in Minnesota and came back and just, you know, That's created that whole thing. Uh, and uh, even then, remember, they they didn't trade him until November. That's right, because Tibbs was like, screw it, I'm keeping him. <laughs> That's was, that was not, maybe not the best decision. Um, if you had to wager again, well, I'll give you three choices. Uh, do you think... I guess four choices. Do you think the Jazz budge first? Do you think the Knicks budge first? Do you think another team jumps into this in a significant way? Or do you think nobody budges and they go into the season with Donovan Mitchell on the roster? I don't think the Jazz budge first because I don't okay. think that they have any pressure to make a deal. Okay. I think, if anything, the Knicks have more pressure to make a deal because now it's out there, right? Everybody wants Donovan Mitchell. Uh, on the Knicks now, right? Like it's a thing that is out there I do. and has been so public. Yeah. No, that doesn't mean like everybody wants to give up everything and everyone to get Donovan Mitchell, but they want it. And so then the question is like, is that marginal, I don't know, fifth pick you're going to give up worth holding up the deal too, you know? So that's where I'm because that, that number 12 on our asset drink uh, drafting I, list. Like, is that, is that worth it? So that's kind of where I'm, that's where I want to transition to the pieces you wrote, which you ranked all those assets, because I, as I was reading it in my own mind, I'm actually sorting what you guys did into like tiers of like, yeah, class one of assets, class two of assets. And I think you could probably quibble about what's, um, you know, what's in which thing, but like, it, it feels, well, let me ask you, um, in my perception, this is not like where, 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 what, where one swap away in terms of offering one additional swap away from getting this trade done. It's, it seems more like the Jazz are, for those who are not watching, I have like a high hand and then like that's where the Jazz are. And then the Knicks are still like down here. There's a, there's a gap. And it, but does maybe when one side comes to the table and offers another small thing than the, than the other side, like how do, how do you think this will go? If, if it goes at all, look to me, I, if I like, if I'm Utah and I feel like I don't need to trade Donovan Mitchell, then that marginal, like extra and like number what's number the 12th overall pick or the 12th asset in our draft, the, the wizard 2023 first round pick. There you go. Uh, is worth a lot more to Utah than it is to the Knicks. Right. If it means getting Donovan Mitchell. Right. It's, no, think, it's, wait, it's worth. It's, I think it's worth more to Utah because you want to make sure you get everything you want. I understand. Okay. So we're like, okay, yeah. we can give that away. It's heavily protected. And like, maybe it conveys in 2025 at number 14 or something. Um, and I think that's probably, you know, usually how a deal, a deal like this gets done where like the team is like, okay, we don't really want to do it. Maybe this is 7% more than we want to give, but we're also getting the best player in the deal and you might get nothing but like vapor in eight years if we're good and we follow our team plan. Yeah. That, um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I also thought it was, I was, I wondered 
whether or not um, you were going to either of you, I, I, without knowing who was going to get the first pick, but as I was reading the intro to the article, I'm like, man, I wonder if someone's going to take someone other than RJ first. And if someone's going to put the 29 pick first and you, I think you had I really thought about it. You did you think so? Uh, let me set the stage. So again, you, you ranked the 17 assets from the perspective of what the Knicks want to keep mm-hmm. the most. So I, let me ask you this. If you were ranking it from the perspective of what the jazz want the most, would your first pick, your first pick was RJ Barrett. Would your first pick have been different? Yeah, it would have been a pick. It would have been the 29 pick. Okay. I don't know if, our, if the jazz, you know, I don't know what their valuations of RJ Barrett are, but like, do you want to trade for RJ Barrett? Give him a, you know, four year, one thirty, five year max. I don't know. You know, like, you know, is that someone that you want to essentially build around or feel like you can then trade in a few years after the deal anyway? Um, it, it all kind of depends on your RJ Barrett valuation too. And if you're lower on RJ and if you don't think he can be a sub all-star type of player, right? Like a really good starter. If you think the shot will never come around, you think that like, this is kind of where he is, then, you know, it doesn't do much for your short or long-term ceiling either. If you get uh, Don Mitchell. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showering in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using discount code FILMSCHOOL for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just need a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to a ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. 
No need for night vision goggles. This trimmer has an LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. Second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep in your step with the Crop Preserver Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Spray-On Toner. With the performance package, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance Reduced Chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code FILMSCHOOL at MAMSCHOOL. Manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use your code FILMSCHOOL. It's time you level up from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. Correctly, you you, put, you know did this from a Knicks perspective where it's like, you know, and, and you laid it out, all the reasons the Knicks need to hang on to, to RJ. And then Fred was up with the number two pick and he, of course, took the 2029 first rounder. I the more I wonder about it, the more I wonder if, and this is going to transition to the other, the thing I really want to talk to you about, although I know we've been on here for a while already, um, your pick about, or your article about the, what's going on in the NBA right now. and has been going on for years with the, I don't want know if you want to say devaluation of first round picks, but just the number of first round picks that are getting tossed into these trades. Um, I wonder if the Knicks can have a stance where, the 29 or the distant, you know, there's some simulations where it's like maybe the Knicks go even years on the first round pick. So, but like the point is if the Knicks can take those distant firsts, whether it's, you know, 27 or 29 or 28 off the table, if you were the, if you were Danny age, or if you're imagining we're Danny age right now, is that, are those picks you're like, we, this trade is not getting done without those distant firsts. Yeah. I mean, I, those are the picks I want, right? Like you want to, if you're the jazz, you want to up the the risk profile, right? You want to, to use Daryl Morey terms, like you want, you want to bake in all that variance for you. Um, You know, like Donovan Mitchell's under contract through 2025, right? I believe. Um, So like, you know, presume there'll be a, you know, with him in tow and he's healthy and like that, that means you'll never, the Knicks will never go higher than an eight seed. Even if everything eighth, eighth uh, pick in the draft, even if everything goes well, right? Like those are not the picks that you want to get um, if you're Utah. And so you want it as far out as possible when calamity can strike and everything goes bad. And now you're the ones who own the upside of all the doomsday scenarios. Right. And that's why the Knicks probably don't want to give those away either. It's like the further out, the less control they have over their team, the less control they have over everything that happens. Those are the picks I'd want first and ask for most is the ones further and further away. Cause like what's the Knicks 2023 pick going to be, you can project what that Knicks team is. um, And that's not what you want to be buying. Yeah. And like, you know, you're, I think what your article did a great job of was really going through all of the trades that have happened over the last five years and how they've kind of set this new precedent. And you distinguished the uh, potential Knicks jazz trade in that this would be the first, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the first such trade of this kind of magnitude where it would be bringing in star number one. And that's what's been interesting to me about it. And this is the point that Fred made in his recent article, and I know it was referenced in your recent piece together, which is that it's not just about 
the the calamity factor of 2027, 28, 29, but also about retaining enough to make the mm-hmm. next trade. So like, do, how much do you think that factors in here? I mean, I think that's like very important um, for the Knicks, especially, right. They need something after this deal to bring in someone else. Right. I think we're all pretty much in agreement. Donovan Mitchell probably is not going to be your best player. If you're a title team or a title contending team, right? Like unless, unless there's just so many good players right alongside him that you have a kind of a strength in numbers approach. Um, but even those players will be harder to acquire because you have less cap space. You have, again, fewer picks to trade for them, you know, like fewer acquisition yeah. routes. Uh, and so if the price for players in these types of trades is continuously ascending, how are you going to trade for a star number two? Right? Like, you know, we just saw uh, Rudy Gobert get traded for what? Five, five first round picks. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I, and we saw, you know, DeJounte Murray. I, I think Rudy Gobert, if you talk to some league executives, they'll say he's a top 15 player, right? Like you can be dubious of that. You can find like, I, and I didn't, I've talked to league executives who say like, yeah, but he'll get played off the floor in the playoffs. Maybe so, but others will say, okay, he's a top 15 player. Maybe he was a circumstance of his environment uh, to some degree, right? Because that was a horrible jazz defense and perimeter defense around them. Um, you know, like either way, like how are you getting that next guy? DeJounte Murray just... You know, not no one's arguing he's top fifteen, top twenty. He just went for uh, what? It was two unprotected, uh, a pick swap. Yeah, two unprotected, a pick swap, and then the uh, Hornets uh, protected first. Oh, your audio cut out, Vork. I was saying that that's not that's a lot. Like, yeah. how are you getting the next guy after that to go alongside Donovan Mitchell? Especially because I think they're not reaching free agencies because you just have to give up so much money. Uh, to hit free agency and teams aren't really hoarding cap space like they used to. Right. No one's saying like, Oh, look at these big market teams. Now they're, they're um, you know, they're trying to create cap space for 2024 so they can sign whoever the free agent is that year. They're just like, screw it. We'll be over the cap. We'll make it work. Uh, Miami continuously over the cap, making it work. Right. Like no, no one's doing that anymore. I think because they just, they see that if no one's going to hit free agency, why do you need the cap space? Yeah. And I know like the cap jump is maybe going to throw a slight, wrinkle into the you know, does free agency have a comeback? I, I'm i more curious about and again, you talk to a ton of people for your story about the value of picks. Do you do you think there will be a reversion? And like, if if so, what like, do you think that's just because like it, it, this this can only because in my mind, I'm wondering can, is it like this can only go so far where a certain number of teams hoard a certain amount of picks. And then there's a certain other segment of teams that just don't have the picks to trade, or can this be cyclical, like truly cyclical and just like, mm-hmm. it, yeah. I, I, and I don't know the answer to that question. I'm wondering if you have a, a thought. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I mean, we already have that, right. We had, we kind of have this um, <laughs> situation where like, the teams like, you know, the Pelicans, the, the Thunder, uh, the Knicks at the present moment, some other teams have a, you know, a large plurality of draft picks, right? Future first. Yeah. Um, nice thing about first is they always get replenished uh, the year after you get, you get a new one. But um, I don't know. I, I think if that retains the, the best way to like get really good players, then I think teams will just keep dealing it away. There's too much incentive to be good in the present tense as opposed to the future. Why? Um, what is that? Like, I, I, maybe that's an obvious question. Like there's too much incentive, to, but like, did long-term planning go by the wayside at some point or has, have this, has it always been this way? And we've just not realized it. 
I, I mean, there's just like, you know, people lose jobs when you're bad. <laughs> people, you know, owners don't want to be no. bad for long, you know, selling them, especially if you're in a big market, like, hey, listen, three years from now, we'll be awesome. But we just kind of <laughs> got to ride it out. Um, yeah. You know, like even in small markets, you see that. Like, look at, remember Philly in the Sam Hickey days, the process got cut off when the ownership there was just like, this is too much. Like, <laughs> we got to speed this up. You know what I mean? And we've seen that in other cities too. We've seen that in New York, we've seen that elsewhere. Um, and, and I think, I think stars will continuously choose to opt in unless it's like a Kawhi situation where he just has one team or one area on his mind as the only place he wants to go to. And he'll do whatever he wants to do, uh, to get there, you know, with the cap spike, whenever the new media rights deal kicks in. Yeah. It's going to create a lot of opportunity, I think, depending on whether they choose to smooth it, which I, I, I think they'll do this time around instead of just kind of taking it all at once. Um, but that's gonna be bigger contracts for all those players too. And that's more money to leave on the table. And, and so I don't know if it's necessarily the opportunity to kind of reinvigorate free agents that we think it is. So, um, hmm. now that you just said that, like it, it, this really all does tie together because by that logic, just take the money and then figure it out, figure out your next move later, which has been, I think the, the, the talking point for a while now in the league, and yet we have a situation going on in Brooklyn right now. And I know this is a Knicks podcast, but I do think it's relevant because again, the t- stuff all ties together where I don't know. I, I imagine a lot of people around the league are curious as to what's going to happen in Brooklyn at the very least. I, I think it's fascinating because pretty much up until um, the Ben Simmons situation in Philadelphia, when did you see teams push back against players who wanted out? Never. They, they I, I don't much, remember one. Yeah. 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 It, it, they pretty much acceded to whatever they wanted. Um, and there was like, okay, you want out. All right. Well, I guess this, you know, has run its course. So let's can see I, what the best deal is for you. Can I jump in there? Though? Even on the Simmons thing, this is what I, I, I've always thought. Like, doesn't there deserve to be an asterisk there? Because it wasn't that they didn't want to trade him. They would have, they would have loved to trade him, but they just had such a specific asking price. Like the reporting at, I don't know. I don't remember exactly, but the reporting at the time was like, there were real offers on the Mm -hmm. table from teams. So it's like, but, but Daryl wanted, you know, one of like two or three guys. Yeah. yeah. And that you're right. That could have its own answers because there's so many things going on there um, all at once that maybe kind of like clouds what that situation was. And then to like, to that end, then it's even rare that we see teams kind of push back and keep a player, you know, beyond whatever he says he's hit his, his limits with the team. Right. So I'm very curious to see what Brooklyn does with Kevin Durant. Like at some point, some teams will decide they've, you know, we, they've reached the inflection point and it's like, look, we can't just keep saying yes to everything. Um, everyone wants to be known as a player friendly organization. Everyone wants to be known as a you know potential destination for whoever the next star is that wants to it- go somewhere new. Is that why teams acquiesce, do you think? Or is that I think a, is so. a significant factor? Yeah, I think so. I think if you're in a player-driven league, it's probably a bad look and limits your opportunity to acquire really good players if you're seen as the organization that's like, yeah, don't come here if you don't, you know, like if you don't want power, or if you don't want, if you don't, if you're seen as the place that's not a player-friendly organization, right? Yeah. Um, Even Miami's the outlier. You know, Miami, I think we, I think there's all that reporting about how Pat Riley wouldn't necessarily let LeBron James um, bring some of the people into the organization and he pushed back a little bit. And the fact that that was an outlier became, became kind of newsworthy, didn't it? Um, probably yeah. because you hear it so infrequently. 
Um, and so I think that's probably, you know, I, I assume driving the decisions a little bit and probably like, you know, if, if you have a star asking out, it's now easy to build a narrative to say like, look, uh, he's the bad guy in this one. We get to, you know, restart from scratch and we have all these picks and now we're the team looking into the future with this treasure trove of firsts and young players. Which again, there's so many reasons the situation is fascinating. I should probably go listen to a Nets podcast to see how they're covering it. But like, this is really another test case because yeah, the Nets could get a bunch of picks, but they also don't have any of their own picks. So it's well, yeah. like, you know, it, this is, it really is a, an interesting. And then on top of all that, I believe there was reporting that like the owner of this basketball team had basically been fed up with the, all of this nonsense. And if ever there was a situation where you seem like, okay, somebody wants out, please get them the hell out of here. And yet here we are a month into this KD thing and he's still a member of the team. Yeah. It's like totally fascinating. I mean, the Kyrie and the KD thing are totally different, right? Like I think Kyrie probably kind of lost, he lost all of his political capital in Brooklyn. Right. Um, He runs the team Vork. Didn't you hear him say that after the season? He said, he said him and Kevin, were going to manage the team and, you know, into the future. Um, God bless. I, I don't know if he intended to manage himself off of it, but like, you know, he had the opportunity. It seems like to search for sign and trades or new deals or whatever. Didn't seem like anyone wanted to make the deal, right? Aside from the Lakers. Yes. Uh, the Kevin Durant thing is, you know, it's like totally different. And so I'm really, really fascinated to see how this all ends up. Like, where does Brooklyn draw its own line? Will KD really not play next season, right? Like, that's the biggest thing he can do is just not play. But he just missed his age 31 season coming off the Achilles. Is he going to miss or any part of his age 34 season? Like, you know, especially as a guy who says he's all he cares about is balling and hooping. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's I think it's the most interesting question around the league today. Um, I like how we're, we're bouncing around the league because I just thought of another thing about and I did this, I think, more directly impacts the Knicks is and it goes with some of the stuff we've just been talking about the LeBron James situation in L.A. And I don't maybe it's wrong to call it a situation yet, but he has. Uh, what is it a week from today? Yeah. A week from today. Um, he get extend, uh, for some ungodly amount of money. And it like you wrote recently about the, the NBA is where it's going to be producing billionaire, a billionaire athlete, like based on contracts alone, pretty soon. Like he's made more money than God. Is there a point where he just uses his political capital and says, screw it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not resigning because of this Russ situation to put pressure on the organization. Like, how do you think that resolves itself? I mean, I would guess, you know, it's, it's kind of well known. Probably he doesn't want to play with Russ next year, but like the Lakers in a hard spot. Cause like, what are they going to do? Where do they trade him? I know where they could trade him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess play I, basketball <laughs> one spot, but like uh, other than that, what are you going to really wave and stretch him for the next no. three years? And they put, can't do that. Uh, 20 million on your cap or whatever it is. Well, they don't even, but if they wave and stretch them, they don't, I mean, they'll, I, I shouldn't say that they will get, I think they'll get some cap space next, not this upcoming season, but the season after that, but like not an appreciable amount. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not really worth it to them. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's almost in a way like, you know, the Warriors talked about maintaining their, uh, their, dra- their, their sour cap slot with that D'Angelo Russell deal. Right. Because yes. they knew they'd always be over the cap. <clears throat> the Lakers are in the same situation. They need to maintain that that max cap space uh, slot in some way. And like Russ presents them that option. 
Um, you, you know who has a nice a nice size cap number? Not as big as Ross, but it's, it's Julius Randle here on the New York Knickerbockers. Man, things have changed. I think last time I talked to you, you were in love with Julius Randle. It's your fault. I'm. This is really why I wanted to do back on the pod so I could meander around different topics for 45 minutes and then now blame you, solely you, for leaving the beat and taking whatever good vibes Julius Randle once had with you. So, so it's I, your fault. I want to say two things. Uh, I remember, I remember I did, uh, I don't know what new technology these kids use these days, but I, I think it was a Twitter spaces or a clubhouse uh, with uh, I've never done Nick's, either of those. Nick's film schools, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to mess up his last name as someone with uh, last name that people often butcher. So, and I remember I was like, you know, this could really, this is ahead of the playoffs. And I was like, this could really all go wrong for the Knicks if Julius Randle starts missing all those really hard jump shots that he's been hitting all season long because they're really difficult and no one should, he's probably not the kind of good shooter who can just like hit those all the time. You wrote about this uh, like 15 months ago, right? Or where? Yeah, something like that. And so like that all went, you know, to shit in the playoffs and then it went all to shit in last season, right? And so it was interesting that the Knicks bet on, on Julius to maintain that shooting to some degree, right? And I remember I was trying to do a Julius Randle profile and I did a lot of reporting on it. And I talked to a bunch of different people and I was like, can you this really- year or, or last year? Last summer. It never ran. Okay. Uh, I just couldn't find, you know, it just didn't run. And, uh, but I remember I talked to a lot of people and I was like, can you really keep this up? And the prevailing thinking for them was like, once you hit that level of play and remember he was second team, all NBA, you'll oh, be I, able to I remember. Find, <laughs> you'll be able to find a way to maintain it. Um, you know, you will be able to find a way to maintain playing at that high level. You might not be all NBA second team every year, but the thing, it was not just the shooting, but just like the understanding of how basketball works would had a lot of people bullish on, on Julius being able to maintain being that good uh, for another few seasons. And, and so just the fact that it went so badly last year, it's just, I don't know that that came out of nowhere to some degree. Cause I thought there was regression that was going to happen, but not, not like that. Well, um, your your colleague, Mr. Katz, uh, and I've referenced this a few times since he said it on the podcast, referred to earlier in the season, a conversation he had had, not about Julius Randle, but about another NBA player years ago who told him, like, look, if someone's slumping like really, really bad, you know, it has something to do with it's not about basketball. It's, it's something off the court. And I wonder the my biggest personal question about the Knicks this offseason before the Mitchell stuff, but arguably still as much. Um, is do they think that like this is whatever happened last year is something where it's like a summer away will do him good and he can come back and be not that anymore? Or do they think this is like, holy shit, we got, we can't let anybody know it, but we got to get this guy the hell out of here. And that's that's my been my biggest question. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I did think it was interesting, like his all NBA season there weren't fans from the majority of the season, but like it was clear how much love there was for him and how much appreciation there was for him. And I think he started to feed off of that. Um, and it became kind of a, you know, it started to be a, a thing where one fed off of the other. And it seemed like there's so much toxicity around Julius last year from Knicks fans and at the garden. And obviously like there's so much visible evidence of that. Um, and I wonder just how much getting away from the Knicks fans for a little bit can help him. Like, and if you don't want to point at that, but like, you know, he received the venom that he did because he wasn't playing well, but 
in New York, that's kind of starts to feed off of well, one. And I was talking to one, I was talking to one Knicks player recently, and he's like, Yeah, man, Knicks fans, and I think his word was ruthless, I want to say. Like, and, and it's true, when things are bad, it goes like that. I I will get stick up for Knicks fans. Uh I, I will Nick's too, fans. by the way. I understand why there were many grievances, but you know, because it wasn't about him missing <laughs> shots. I'll say he does that. have a chance to avalanche after a while. I look, if you're, you can be bad. And when you are bad, there will be a segment of the fan base who, because you are bad, don't really care about anything else. If you're bad, they're going to boo you or they're going to say you suck or they're going to want you off the team. My personal issue, and I, I think other people fall into this camp, is it was the bad that then snowballed into what I personally took as overt signs of a lack of effort and B just lack of trying, even attempting to be a good teammate. Um, But that's my perception from the outside looking in with the complete understanding that I do not know what is going on behind closed doors. So that's, that's the only thing I'll stick up for, for Knicks fans. But that, that, listen, that player isn't entitled to his opinion. Yeah. And I think Knicks fans are entitled to boo and cheer whenever too. I'm not taking that away from them. And I don't think it's like anyone's uh, you know, like I'm not, I'm not saying there's causality. Uh, there, but I, I did. I do think that sometimes, like you know, the larger situation does have to be examined a little bit. Yeah, no, for for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm just thinking now. Like I wrote something for the newsletter again. It was like towards the end of the 2021 season, comparing him to previous guys who had kind of made this leap, and like, is there a regression coming? And you DM me. You were like, with a name. Uh, do you remember the name you you DM me as a as a possible comp? It's I it's guess Victor Oladipo. It's pre. Yeah, I was. It's prescient now. Um, now, but Oladipo, he got hurt. He got well, hurt. That yes. was really the thing that like really sent his career. But he was him. in the midst of a down. Now he was in the midst of a down season. Still got voted onto the All Star team. I don't know if he deserved to, but like, yeah. and then he got hurt after that. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. We'll um. Well, do you think if they trade for Mitchell one way or another, if you had to guess, it would make it more or less likely that Julius is on the team next year? I would think it makes it more likely because, um, you know, you're trading for Donovan Mitchell is a complete win now move, right? Can you yeah. find a better player than Julius Randle? Maybe the guy backing him up. I don't know. I, I, hey, I, you know, I'd like to see Obi Toppin get more. I don't think I've uh, picked, the by the way, hold on. I got to I got to look. So he was ninth. You taken by you to your credit. Yeah. And I said, I thought he was really bad as a rookie. He was. And then he like, he showed a large capacity to get better and improve. And we don't know how, how good he is because, uh, well, he doesn't get the minutes <laughs> basically. Andrew's nodding. It would be fascinating to see if they if they traded Randall and started playing top and big minutes because I feel like then you'd have to play differently, right? You have to play with more pace. You have to get up and down the floor quicker. Um, you can't just be the same kind of stale half court team if you're going to commit to playing Obi Top in 30 minutes tonight. Like that's just that's minimizing his best traits. To me, if you're especially, I mean, not that he should factor into how they play that much, but like especially if they were, if they, let's assume they trade for Mitchell and let's say they keep quickly. And then at that point, three of your, I don't know, five or six best players are these like little guards quickly likes to get up and down the floor. I mean, Utah's pace wasn't like that fast last year, 
but they, you know, they, they do well sometimes when they, when they get up, I'm sure Donovan Mitchell would like to get up and down the court. Um, I don't know. To me, when you have dynamic guards that are like the backbone of your team, then Obi Toppin's a perfect compliment because he's a play finisher and then you get guys that could help him play finish. So I, that's, that's my thinking on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. We'll see though. Um, you think they get the trade done before the season? Yes or no? I'm putting you on the spot. I think, I think if there is a trade, it'll be done before the season. You think if there is a trade, it will be done. Do you think if there is a trade, it will be to the Knicks or do you think any other teams are still legitimately in the running? Uh, who, who can top the Knicks offer? I would argue that nobody can top their top offer or even like their sub top offer. I, but well, how hard, how hard are they negotiating? I don't know. <laughs> so I, I was, uh, I, I'm in a, um, got thrown into some kind of Twitter group chat with other Knicks fans somehow. Uh, Lucky you. Which has been, yeah. No, it's actually been very enlightening. But anyway, I, one of the points I made was, um, is this the guy you want to go in for, right? If you have a finite amount of picks and you know you are going to need a lot to get a star, is that the guy you want to go in for? I think that's part of the calculus with this trade too, is like the Knicks have to be comfortable saying like, okay, we have, you know, eight future firsts or whatever, what is 11 future firsts that they have of their own and other teams choosing. Uh, like, is this a guy you want to give up a large, you know, portion of them for um, knowing that it may cost you the ability to then kind of trade more away for a future start to pair alongside with them and but, knowing that more will probably hit the market too. Like, do you want to just pass on this? One? Well, so that's, that's my big thing is like, yeah, stars request trades a lot, clearly CNBA, but how often is it a guy that is going to fit your timeline? How often is it a guy that's going to want to play for this particular franchise, which has had historically some difficulties attracting um, you know, people their way? I think it, it it's not a perfect fit. I obviously for the all the How reasons, good like, is Donovan Mitchell like that? That all I, fits into it, you know. I so I'm probably that's probably the biggest thing is I'm higher on him than I think consensus. I, I'm probably I think I'm in like probably the 75th percentile in terms of how I I view him as an NBA player and like what what he could be from here on in. But at the same time, which is why you know Fred's Fred's recent article was was uh, I thought a very good one. I do think it needs to be a trade where they don't empty the cupboard of good stuff which is why again the thing for as much as like i want to keep all like uh, more of the kids than not because i love watching them i love watching obi toppin play i love watching Manuel quickly play i love watching quentin grimes play i think the the i would imagine the big thing for leon rose is to try to retain those distant first and maybe that's the deal breaker point for danny and then that's how we get to october and there's no trade right yeah, I, I don't see Danny Ainge as the kind of guy who's just like, ah, well, I guess we're there far along, uh, so I got to deal him now. Like, I could see him just be, he seems very comfortable being uncomfortable. I, it, someone said, I don't know if it was reported or just like I heard it. He was on like the golf course last week, you know. He's hey, not like he's holed up. <laughs> Everybody needs vacation. <laughs> yeah. NBA execs need to get away too. You got to recharge. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh Anything we haven't touched on NBA wise that you find interesting at the moment? I, I tried to cover as much stuff as possible, but no, I, I think that's about it. I'm trying to think of if there's anything else. You got anything uh, coming up that we should be on the lookout for? What what's what is twenty what is the 2022-23 season gonna be for Mike Vorkano? 
<laughs> I got to figure that out. If you have good story ideas, send them my way. I'd like <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> I'm open to any and all story ideas. No, I just took three days of vacation. So it was nice to like not think about anything for a while. At some point, probably next month, I'll have to uh, figure out what my schedule is and see what stories I want to do next year. I don't know. To me, the, the 2025 cap spike, uh, cap uh, potential spike is going to be really fascinating because I feel like that could um, change the situation for a lot of teams. Like Teams like Minnesota and Denver are pretty much at or near the 2025 cap um, You know, if it keeps growing conservatively. And there will be other teams along there with them. You know? And it's going to be interesting to see like what teams are uh, the Warriors and the, the Clippers and maybe the Nets, if they want to keep spending this way, are like going to be like the Mets in baseball, right? They're going to be financial superpowers. And what other teams will go along for the ride? So you're, you're looking at it more along the lines of from a luxury tax ownership standpoint, as opposed to the last cap spike, which was let's spend like drunken sailors on Joakim Noah and Bismack Biombo and uh, Timothy Moskov. But those things are related, right? If all of a sudden you get like 30 million more in cap space uh, one summer and you're like, oh, we're 20 million under the cap. Got to spend it on somebody. Who's the 2025 version of Joe? I, I don't even want to think about that. It's not anybody that I want. <laughs> uh, I will say Julius Randall's contract ages well. You know, I think the last year is under that new cap, the new meteorites deal. Andrew, you want to chime in? You're muted. Yeah, I figured it out. Um, I was literally about to say, doesn't Julius Randle's extension end in twenty twenty five? He has a he has a player. Has it a has player. first of all, the yeah. extension still has not started, or I guess it started technically. But like he July can be 6th. a free agent in twenty twenty five. I if if anyone your Joe Kim Noah. <laughs> if anyone wants a if anyone works for a Vegas casino, put up some odds on the odds that Julius Randle opts into his player option or chooses to become a free agent. I I would like to see those odds. Mm-hmm. Hey, if we've got a what $180 million cap that summer, Jesus, his contract looks just fine. We're at 123 right now, right? What about his next contract? I was about to say, does he <laughs> does he opt in? Listen, I, listen, I just I just wrote about it. There's gonna be huge NBA contracts coming out in the next like five to ten years where everyone's gonna be like, I holy crap, he's getting this much, like five years, four hundred million dollars. Like it's gonna be mind-boggling sums. One more, and then I promise I'm going to let you go because you've been on here for an hour. Um, this is just literally just popped into my head, so I'm kind of springing it on you. Like Zach Lowe has talked a lot over the last few years. I have to get a Zach Lowe reference in here. Zach has talked a lot over a lot of years about the nature of like max contracts and ways to make things more fair and equitable for teams, for players. But like, you know, because like we we want teams to be able to retain guys but at the same time you you don't want these situations like john wall and russell westbrook where you sign this contract and it like basically it's a death knell the moment that it's it's and some would argue bradley beal just a few weeks ago do you think there is a chance that something anything happens with the way that max contracts are 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 done in the nba Hmm. um that's a good question i don't know i i should probably do more reporting on this i mean we keep seeing it tweaked from the 2011 CBA to the 2017 CBA. Um, You know, I think the 2017 CBA, it was changed in a way that hypothetically should have made it easier for teams to retain players like star players, right. By offering those huge giant contracts. And it actually worked out in a way where 
teams were like, I don't know if I want to give Jimmy Butler $200 million. Right. Um, it almost made it, made it, <laughs> made some of the cheaper teams that were just like, we don't want to pay that kind of money. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I really don't have an opinion on it because I, I just don't know what recourse is. And I think he's floated the idea of like, you know, if you pay someone 35% of the cap, but it only counts like yeah, yeah. You know, 75% of the way or something like that. Um, which is definitely interesting, but also could lead to more cash spend by teams. I don't know if owners want to vote for that. Um, right. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they want to like kind of legislate themselves into spending more money than they have to. Um, I'm just, I'm fascinated by it because I think that's like everything that happens in the sport centers around the max, like the players on max contracts, like who's getting them. And, and so that's the only reason I I would love to read anything you have to write on that in the coming years. I've I've actually talked about this uh, with some people and I thought the one interesting tweak that they could do if they want to limit the amount of like essentially player movement, star player movement, just guys who are like, look, I want out, I want to get traded is to not have a max salary because then you're not able to fit maybe even two max players under the cap anymore. And theoretically players union might like this because now salaries will obviously explode. Right. Um, because you, you know, Kevin Durant is exponentially underpaid making whatever he makes, even at the max salary level. Um, but I don't know. Then you can't complain about players asking out as much. Cause like, where are you going to trade them? How are you going to combine two guys making $75 million under a cap? That's 150 million or something like that. I wonder if there's a way to do it where, so obviously only the team that drafts the player or I guess acquires the players like rookie contract rights or whatever, however you want to do it gets to go above the max, Mm -hmm. but maybe you keep the max, like the concept of a max at whatever it is, what is 25, 30, 35%, depending on your, your, the amount of years. And then every dollar above that, maybe half of it counts against the cap and half of it doesn't like it's that's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting. It could be, I mean, you could also just do it like, look, um, just say, screw it. Like if you want to pay somebody a hundred million dollars on a hundred and sixty million dollar cap, but that's how you, you know, that's how you sign uh Luka Doncic in 2027. I'm making up a year. Uh, no, uh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. His, like, yeah. What if, you know, that's how you want to get Luka. That's how you get Luca, and you know it's all—it's almost uh, you figure out how to spend the other, you know, sixty-five million dollars of your cap space around Luca. You know, and it, it gets harder to trade. You know, when Luca wants out, it's harder for him to get out, right? Because who can absorb that point. contract? Because um, you have to match you—you you keep the salary. Oh wow, how the they adjust this? Yeah, yeah. So it is what it is. Like, and you probably maybe if you're a team with. Uh, with uh, you know Jordan Poole already making forty five million dollars, now you're pretty much at the cap with just these two guys. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, yeah, you yeah. finagle the numbers and you figure it out. But like, I think it'd be really fascinating if they took the ceiling off what you know the max salary is, and that could be one way to kind of curb these types of uh, star player trades a lot. But I'm not sure the NBA wants to do that. I think star player movement is great for them, and I, you know, I don't think they necessarily want to cut it down as much. You know what it wouldn't curb is tampering. <laughs> it's like imagine teams like clearing literally all of their <laughs> money from the books. What are you talking We're, about? 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Tampering doesn't exist. In we, the NBA. Tampering doesn't exist. Yeah. Leon didn't talk to Jalen Brunson until 1201. How do we go through this entire podcast and we didn't talk about the Jalen Brunson yeah, tampering and, thing? And once. Rick Brunson talk, did not talk to his son about Deleted his number. Uh, yeah. <laughs> about the contract at all the minute he got hired. Yep. By the Deleted way, what was the, what was the length of time from when it uh, his hiring was reported and when it was official? Is it official? It's I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I saw him in summer league wearing Knicks stuff. Uh, so I think it's official. Yeah, I'm sure. It, uh, you know what? Honestly, I, I missed it, but it was I it was not like I'm just saying time. I'm just saying if we're if we're talking but not talking about tampering, if there's like a two week gap between when it got reported and when he became official, uh, officially a member of the Knicks, not inconsequential. Man, I want I want to. Talk to, I would next line this one up, Andrew. Find the person who the NBA puts in charge of that tampering investigation, and let's get that person on the podcast after they conclude their investigation. I want to talk to that person. The Maybe Forbes, you could do it. You could outsource <laughs> your services for. Yeah, I was going to say the next tampering investigation is going to become the NBA version of the Russian investigation, which is gonna, <laughs> everyone's going to have their own conspiracies, and it's going to become a thing. Uh, of course, of course, we end with a with a political tie-in because uh, it would wouldn't wouldn't be a Vork interview without without something along those lines. Um, no, we love we love to distract ourselves with sports because it's just easier that way. Um, you're the man. Can you just remind everybody at home like where you are, how to find you, how to read you the whole the whole thing? Yeah, uh, right for the athletic. I cover a bunch of stuff. Go there. I don't know. Check out the athletic. It's got some pretty good stuff. All right. Hope you enjoyed that combo with Mike. Uh, if you are not subscribed to the athletic, not only to read his stuff, but to read Fred Katz, to read all of their NBA coverage, to read all of their other sports coverage, you should do that. It's really good. It's high quality. I always say it when Fred's on, I say it whenever we have someone from the athletic on, but I will say it again. Now uh, it is good. And yes, you could probably find a deal out there. That's you get it for a dollar a month. Uh, that is about it. We are going to be back with, um, another episode with Jeremy and me and Andrew that will be dropping usual bat time, bat channel midnight um, Sunday going into Monday. As we've referenced a few times, I'll say again, we're moving to some more um, fun slash evergreen content as there is nothing really going on right now in Nixland. Um, and yes, a reminder that if that changes and if something happens, Go right on to the old Knicks Film School YouTube channel because you could count on an emergency live stream. Um, even if Andrew Claudio is on a plane somewhere in the country. Why are you putting this into the universe? Why, why, why John? Why? Because it's so funny. I, I swear, it's when it's going to happen. I, I, no, I'm it's going to happen when I'm indisposed. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, but... <laughs> No, no, you're you have better luck. Well, I will say this: the Thor, the Thor story, where you were waiting to go right? see Thor, and then the well, I was seeing it. Stay. I wasn't waiting. Like, I was seeing hours, it. But like you were waiting because you were oh, like, well, yeah. I don't want to be yeah. in the movie theater, and they announce all the deals. Yes, and you were like, we won't go see it during the day, and then you were like, you know what? It's the middle of the day on a Thursday. Yep, this Donovan Mitchell stuff is brewing. I'll go now because I might be more busy later in the week. And while you're in the theater, the Knicks announced the Mitch signing, the Knicks, Knicks announced Jalen Brunson. Yeah, right. The Knicks announced, yeah. So maybe, maybe you, you do have worse luck. 
Well, I don't. Well, actually, it's funny you say that because it's like we're recording this on on uh, on Thursday. Like, I don't know. I got stuff coming up, but like, no no movies or anything. So I should be, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll I, see. as John mentioned, we are making preparations that we're we're gonna start to enjoy our summer a bit, with the caveat that there is a break glass in case of emergency episode we're gonna have to do. If it happens, so what's what's inside of the break glass? Is it a is it like a is a, microphone. A, a, a microphone? It's a microphone. Yeah, microphone. I'm going. To, I'm going away this weekend and will be gone for a week. And I'm bringing my entire setup that I'm using for my dad's place right now. My dad's office right now. You know that is why you are the best in the business. But you're doing the same thing where you're going. I just you will have more people mad at you if you. Break glass in case of, case of emergency. Have, no, my wife, my as I've said many times in this podcast, my wife is the saint of saints. Yes. Uh, she Lord. puts up with she puts up with all manner of nonsense, Nick's related and otherwise. We stand so, Mrs. Macri here at Nick's film school. So yes, when, when we are driving to Connecticut uh next weekend, and I'm like, sorry, hun, I have we have to pull over to this rest stop and I have to sneak into a bathroom to record mm-hmm. a podcast. She'll be totally <laughs> Actually, no, probably not the bathroom. Probably like one of those like Starbucks or that would be something. If you're in like the the best Western bathroom, hey oh there, Knicks God. fans. <laughs> <laughs> There's somebody flushing. Yeah, urine. You're literally doing it from a stall. You know. <laughs> oh God, Jeremy, how does this affect the cap? <laughs> <laughs> oh. They really yeah. took a dump in this trade. Yeah, but okay. that's why you're the best of the biz, Chad. There it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the episode. We'll, we'll have more fun and games coming your way very soon. Peace out.